My name is Amanda Van Annen. Welcome to Beauty and the Beat. Join me and my co-hosts, Betsy Zane and Sophia Brad, as we pierce beyond the beauty myth and get face-to-face with reality. Highs and lows of fashion to the challenges of motherhood, the traumas of life, heartbreak of relationships gone wrong, and how to find purpose and discover your true, authentic self. Hello and welcome to Beauty and the Beat. My name is Amanda Annan and today on the show we'll be having Sarah Jenks. Sarah is a life coach who has guided thousands of women over 10 years through the process of remembering their brilliance and their unique mission in this lifetime. As a mother of three, a woman who has struggled with body image and lack of direction, she knows what it's like to feel flat, overwhelmed, frumpy and exhausted. She had spent years blindly following the rules of success without ever considering if she was happy. She sidelined her mental health and emotional needs to support the dreams of her husband. Sarah says she did what she was supposed to do without complaining because she believed that wanting more was selfish. Until one day she realized that women are here to do more than support other people. She finally came to a realization and said enough and since then has managed to create a community of over 100,000 women worldwide, and the world has taken notice. Sarah, welcome to Beauty in the Beat. Thank you, Amanda, so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you for coming on the show. So I've followed what you do. I listened to some of the podcasts you were on, Mm -hmm. and I like the whole theme of reinventing oneself and finding our true authentic selves and finding what our purpose is in life. So the first question, as I usually ask all guests, it's tell me how you got from there to here. Yeah. So I had a pretty, I will say, typical, um, I put putting that in quotes, you guys can't see me, (laughs) upbringing. I didn't come from like a magical family. You know, a lot of the women that are colleagues of mine, their mothers were tarot readers and, you know, all this stuff. And I felt pretty normal. You know, I grew up going to church. I grew up in the suburbs of Boston. People sort of expected I would go into advertising or at one point I wanted to be an event planner. And I had just kept telling myself that, oh, once I have a husband and a few kids and a cute house, then I'll be happy. And the story of of my life, the biggest pain that I experienced was around my body. And so starting at the age of 10, I felt overweight. I was really bullied in school. And that was a shadow that followed me throughout my whole upbringing and into college and into life in my early 20s when I lived in New York. And I was so miserable in my body and so addicted to food that I would go on and off these cleanses. And I had this moment when I was on a juice cleanse, it's supposed to be for seven days. And on the third day, I found myself fishing chocolate out of the trash can in the middle of my advertising agency where I worked because Dove Chocolate was my client. So there was just like chocolate everywhere. And I realized that I had literally no control over the food I was putting in my mouth. I knew everything about diets. I knew everything about nutrition. I knew everything about working out. 
And here I was eating chocolate out of the trash can. And I realized in that moment, oh, I have an addiction. Something's really off. And I explored Overeaters Anonymous and I explored some more addiction things. And it just, nothing was like getting me. And so what I realized was I was so void of joy and purpose and direction in my life. And that I was constantly following the rules of what a girl should do. And I started exploring, you know, I went to my first meditation class. I went back to dance class. I started having voice lessons and all of a sudden I didn't need the chocolate or the ice cream anymore. So I quit my job in advertising when I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to learn about nutrition and emotional eating. And then I started a business in emotional eating about 11 years ago now. And I had a lot of success and I was working with all of these women. And what I realized through this work around emotional eating was that every single woman thought that they should be happy just by like getting married and having a few kids and having a cute house. That was like the theme that I was seeing in my clients. And I just kept getting confronted with this because I had the same belief system and I was moving towards this dream. And, you know, I'd been with my husband for a while and we got married and we moved to San Francisco so that he could do a surgical residency. I had a baby and I just lost my mind and I was so depressed. And even though I had this great entrepreneurial business and emotional eating, and even though I was doing these other things, one day I walked into my therapist's office and there were these chairs on the ground and incense had been burned down. And there's all these little candle stubs and pictures of sacred feminine everywhere. And I could smell the incense in the air. And my whole body started getting covered in goosebumps. And I just started to cry. My body was having a response that my mind hadn't caught up with yet. And I was remembering what it felt like to be in circle with women. And it was at that moment that I realized, oh, the thing that I've been missing, the thing that I think that all of my clients have been missing is a connection to the sacred feminine energy. And once I started bringing that sacred feminine energy, all of my clients started healing their emotional eating. I finally landed in what my mission was and was able to move through my life in a more intentional way. And so I ended up sort of leaving the world of emotional eating and really helping to be the bridge for women to reclaim a sacred feminine practice in their life. That is so interesting. You talk about the sacred feminine and the sacred, you know, like energy. I would like you to explain a bit more about that because that sounds a bit magical to the average person. Could you explain a bit more about this, about how you go, the process to achieving that? Yes, absolutely. So I think it's really important to understand why when I say sacred feminine, many of us get this feeling of contraction and a little bit of fear or like weirdness in our body. And that so used to happen to me. And I think it's really important for all of us to understand that thousands of years ago, back when all of our ancestors lived in villages and they were really practicing indigenous ways, 
there was always a sacred masculine and a sacred feminine divine source that they practiced in their indigenous ways. And this is true in all, they've seen this in all lineages, no matter where we're from. And in my lineage, in my Western European indigenous ancestry, there was, they, you know, they called on grandmother moon and grandfather sun. You know, they talked about the great mother. The great mother went through different faces depending on the seasons. So the sacred feminine was what guided how they planted the earth and harvested. All of the holidays were around celebrating the sacred feminine as she went from the maiden to the mother to the crone. You know, in springtime, they celebrated the maiden and in summertime, they celebrated the mother. And in fall, they celebrated the crone and the falling away. And because there was this way of seeing the world, women were worshipped. Women were respected. Women were honored. And as time went on and you, you know, I'm going to skip over a bunch of history, but when you get into the Middle Ages and really the rising of Rome, Constantine, what he did was he took the story of Christianity and he erased the sacred feminine from Christianity. So many of the texts that are arising now say that Mary Magdalene was the sacred feminine Christ in the Bible, that they were equals. And so Constantine came and erased the sacred feminine. Mother Mary said that she was a virgin and Mary Magdalene that she was a whore. And then took this way of life or this belief system that only celebrated a sacred masculine and used it as a tool to wipe out all the indigenous practices across Europe. And then, of course, used it to colonize Africa, to colonize Turtle Island, which we now know as the United States, and erase the sacred feminine from our culture. And through that really created a lot of fear. You know, in, in my lineage, my ancestors experienced the burning times where any woman that was a healer or an herbalist or a midwife or was connected to the old ways, was connected to her wisdom, was captured and tortured and burned for witchcraft. And then the witch became, there's this whole propaganda that the witches are evil and devil worshipers. And this is, this has just been a thousands of years campaign to suppress the power of women. Now that I'm calling on the sacred feminine, what that really is, is it's reminding us of our power. It's reminding us of our holiness and it's reminding us of the standards that we should have around how people honor and worship us. And mm -hmm. the way to bring that in, it's really, it's about starting with nature. It's about starting with how was the sacred feminine taught in your own lineage with your own ancestors? Mm -hmm. um, just start exploring. Okay. I like that very much. And it's funny because you and I are actually on the same mindset or on the same wavelength when it comes to that because every morning I have my ritual because I was reading about how you have your ritual mm -hmm. and uh, at 17 I started practicing Buddhism mm -hmm. I started delving into all types of spirituality and through that I started finding the sacred innate feminine that you're talking about and I just started reading about other rituals and started 
just applying them into my life in the morning and, you know, like burning sage and just feeling good. And Mm -hmm. I, I wake up every morning and I have to do my thing. And my whole ritual personally for me takes about an hour and a half to two because I start in the morning and it's a whole thing and I love it. And I understand that. And I also understand the power that it has been taken from women and women are finding it back. Because when we look through history, there were women that were, you know, ruling nations that were the wise ones, the wisdom, the fortune tellers, all this. And in a way, all that was kind of either subjugated or classed as bad or evil. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is helping women find this power back. Mm-hmm. But in that same process, you know, you're applying it to modern times. Mm-hmm. So as you're applying it to modern times, you're helping them apply to situations in their life that they're probably lacking or finding it difficult, like relationships or weight yeah. or whatever that may be. So what would you say the process is if someone came to you and said, you know, my relationship is not going really well. I'm in a marriage that's dysfunctional. What would be the steps you'd tell someone like that, you know, in order to not only find their feminine, but their sacred feminine, but in order to be able to use that to help as a creative solution to solving their issue? Yes. Such a great question. I love that you brought in marriage because my husband and I are about to release a marriage course Oh, that's um, because we have seen in our relationship, Mm -hmm the power of me bringing the sacred feminine into the conversation and me really staking that energy. So let me walk everyone through the process. So first, it's important for us to really understand where we have internalized patriarchy. So patriarchy is the system of oppression. It's not necessarily men, right? It's a system of oppression that men benefit from more than women. Some men also, I see this in my husband and my son for sure, also are negatively affected from patriarchy. But it's the system of oppression that convinces women that we are worthless, that we are only here to support other people and not get paid or appreciated for it, that our worth is based on our productivity and how much we do, and that we can only receive love if we are quiet and peacekeepers and fit into a certain ideal of our body and all those things. So for a lot of women, we've actually internalized those belief systems as truth. So we believe that we are worthless. We believe that we can't speak up to our partners. We believe, and I will say, I see this more in partners that are male identified and female identified, not so much in my clients that are two women identified people together or non-binary or trans. This is like such a, if you can just see that it's so patriarchy when you have, you know, a cis man and a cis woman okay. relationship. From that place, we have to first look at, oh, like how am I telling myself that I'm not strong enough to speak my truth? Where are all the places that I have a lot of fear around speaking up. Because it is true, if we look at the history of patriarchy, there were times when women did not have any rights. And if we did say something we didn't like about our husbands, we were hit, or we could be thrown out on the street, or we could even be killed. 
So we have this, you know, we now know from epigenetics that we actually inherit those fears that our DNA changes in order to protect ourselves, but it's not helpful in these modern times because we do have rights now and we, we all can leave if we are actually in a violent relationship. But what I find is that women, even though they're in a physically safe relationship, still hold themselves back. So the first step is to understand our internalized patriarchy and how it's showing up and our own behavior in our relationship. The second thing is to know what we want. We look at our internalized patriarchy and then we come to knowing what we want. And that's where the sacred feminine practices come in. That's where when we do our morning ritual and we sit in meditation, or I call it empty presence, we can finally hear our intuition. We create space for ourselves, for our soul to tell us what we want. And I find that this is the piece that most women miss. They're like, I don't even know what I want. I don't even know what kind of marriage I want to be in because they just assume that it's terrible. I'm like, well, have you asked for what you want? And they're like, well, I don't know what I want. So I did this thing with Jonathan where I got really quiet and I asked myself, what is the relationship that I want to be in? What do I deserve for my great love in this lifetime? And I did a lot of internal work around that. And I made a list and I sat him down on the couch. And I, did, I made that list because I was using my sacred feminine practices. I sat him down on the couch and I said, honey, I have to have a really important conversation with you. So I'm in my worshiping, you need to honor me vibes. And I said, this is the type of man I want to be in relationship with in this lifetime. And I really want it to be you. I want you to be this person for me, but I cannot continue to feel like I'm walking on eggshells around you. I cannot continue to feel like I have to hide my bigness, my energy. I don't want to feel like, you know, I, that we're fighting all the time or that I'm growing faster than you, or you're not going to be able to hold me in my big dreams. I want to be able to create a life together. And when I said it like that, and I was in my sacred feminine energy, after like years of having like these little conversations and these little fights and like trying to like sneak it in while we're washing the dishes or right before we go to bed, he heard me and he just said, I'm so sorry. I am going to be that person for you. And so much has changed since that conversation. Now, I find what you say really amazing that you could sit your husband down, talk to him, tell him what you wanted out of the relationship without being, you know, too forceful or too one-sided or anything like that. But, you know, I like that, but not all men will listen. So how does one deal with a situation, you know, where you're trying to express your sacred feminine energy to your husband, your partner, your fiance, boyfriend, whatever it is, or female friend or whatever. And, you know, they're just like, what are you talking about? But I provide everything and da, 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 da. How does one deal with that? Because, you know, there's still a lot of men out there, and this is not to blame men for this, mm -hmm. that are very, very, they don't even realize how one-sided they are in their way of thinking. Yeah. And I say to my friends who are my friends, I always say to them that, you know, 
when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Because so, I believe that when you go into a relationship, you know what you're getting. Kind of. Right. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, here's the thing. We are in a huge transition. Agreed. We are in a huge transition. Women are waking up in masses. We have never seen the amount of people awake to injustice, awake to the divine, awake to what women deserve, awake to what Black people deserve. We have never seen the amount of awakeness. And I would say it's the women who are waking up in masses. We cannot continue to evolve unless the men wake up too. And I think what is happening is that they are now being called in to this new paradigm. And some men are going to wake up faster than others. And I think we each need to decide how patient we're going to be with our partner. Like I had run out of patience, you know, and I knew for me on my path, I needed to be with an awake man. So I think we all have a choice around that. And this is the piece that I think I really want women to hear is that if you want to be with an awake man, you deserve to be with an awake man. It is not like a nice to have anymore. It can be the core of what you desire in partnership. And even if it's not like they come totally like awakened and they're like a guru or whatever, but it's there's a willingness to go on that path with you. And because I think for a long time, it was, we didn't have that standard. And I think that the standard needs to change for men. I totally agree with you there. I think the standard is changing. I do not believe that all men will change, mm -hmm. but a lot of them are becoming wiser and they're getting this realization. But on the other hand, would you say it's our duty as mothers to teach our sons different? Because at the end of the day, you know, as a woman, you have a chance when you're raising your child, if he's male, to help him connect more with that side of himself. So he... I really, I'm so glad you brought that through. Yes, yeah. I totally agree. You know, I have a son and two daughters and I am really teaching my son Marshall about his own magic, you know, and his own consciousness, his own presence, his own purpose. And the same for my girls. And a big thing of also what I'm teaching my girls is to have them understand what they deserve to have in a partner and if they, if they choose to partner in this lifetime. And I think it's so important. And we also have to remember how much of parenting is modeling, mm -hmm. you know? And so yeah. that was the whole thing for me with really calling in Jonathan into this process was... I wanted my kids to see what a relationship that I think is the best relationship that I could possibly have in this lifetime looks mm -hmm. and feels like. Yes. Another thing I was thinking whilst you were saying that was the fact that as much as a lot has changed today, you know, and a lot of women are gaining control. We know we've got amazing jobs, careers, families. There's something that came to mind as you were talking, because I wanted to say that I guess being your divine feminine self does not include manipulating because I also noticed there's a kind of trend that's going on with women at the moment where 
as you said, we're realizing our power, we're getting, you know, but I've also realized that even I realize it from my feminine friendships, from my female friendships, there is a bit of manipulating sometimes with women at the moment where we've got this power now and we're like, oh yes, you know, I can do this, this and that. But then when they're still in situations with men, they're still like, oh, but you should do that because that's what you should do. And I've got this power now. And I'm also listening to a lot of guys who are like, I'm dating this girl because I've got male friends who are like, I'm dating this girl. One minute she's like telling me, don't do that. Next minute she's telling me, oh, you should be doing that. So he's trying to hear her, Mm -hmm. but in a way she's not sure of herself. So she's manipulating him in a way because she knows, you know, probably she couldn't get away with it 10 years ago, but she can now. Mm -hmm. And what would you have to you know, what message would you have for women like that? You know, for women that are, because I would say at the moment, we are at at an advantage as women, because as you said, it's the first time in the history of the world where we've got so much freedom. Mm -hmm. And then there's also this thing where there's so many single women out there trying to find a partner where they've, I feel like they've become, I don't want to say too masculine, Mm -hmm. but on the other hand, they're not letting the partner in. Yeah. And they're playing this kind of seesaw game with the men and the men don't know where they stand. Yeah. So I see from both sides. So I'm trying to say, what message would you have for women that are in that position that are, they don't even realize they're doing it. So I think what's happening with a lot of women is that we're walking around with a lot of trauma, you know? Mm -hmm. So whether it's from our lineage or from something from this lifetime or something from a past lifetime, we remember what it's like to not be protected and held and supported by men. And so oftentimes what I see happening with women, especially when they're dating, but also in their marriages, is that there's this protection trauma response around not getting too close and, you know, coming in and then leaving and coming in and then leaving and like opening our hearts just a little bit and then closing them. And What happens is then we're relating based on our trauma and our past instead of what's actually right here. And so I think it's really important for us to understand our history. So what is, what are the stories? What are the events in our life and in our lineage from our mother, from our grandmother, from our great grandmother that could be inferring or navigating the choices we're making right now. So it's just like how we looked at our internalized patriarchy when we were talking about marriage. It's what is my baseline? What is my story about men? And how can we heal the story that we have about men? How can we do some more embodiment work? So I love the work of Dr. Valerie Ryan, and she always talks about the importance of trauma healing through the body. So it's like deep breathing, shaking, like moving those stories out of our body. And then we can come in to our practice of women, which is really about receiving and being open-hearted. And when we can do that and we can allow a man in, if we know that they are good and they are safe and we aren't looking for attention, right? Because that's another thing, like, We have a story around women are only worth something if we're getting attention from a man. And so once we heal that, we can say, does he deserve 
to be in my field, right? If I am the queen of my life, is this man worthy of being with me? And I feel like when we're in that energy, we're not like working out all of this historical stuff with the person we're dating. I agree with you. I totally agree with you there. But as you were saying that, there's one thing that gets a lot of women. And I want to talk about that because that is really, really important in this age. As you know, a lot of women are scared, scared of aging, scared of the fact that, oh my God, once I'm 30, I might not find a guy, Mm -hmm. you know, and all that type of stuff. I find that almost every woman I meet that I have as a friend has this underlying thread that's in their life, that's driving them, which is like, oh my God, I've got to get married between 30 and 40. That's it. I mean, maybe earlier if you can, but a lot of women, even today with careers and wonderful jobs and amazing lives are still caught in this thing where they feel like, oh my God, I'm going to be 40. I have to find a guy. And then they start dating and then it doesn't work out. And they're so disappointed rather than doing what you're saying, which is like, really building your inner life, building your divine feminine, taking care of trauma, getting rid of stuff, and then allowing the one, whatever form that may come into your life, because this dream doesn't always come the same way for everyone. And what message would you have for that? You know, what message would you have for women about that? Yeah. So I believe that if a woman wants to have a baby through her body, And that is part of her destiny. And she wants to have that baby with a man she's married to for her lifetime. And that is part of her destiny. She will find someone if she does the inner work. So what isn't helpful is to say, I'll take any man so that I can have a baby. And then I'm miserable for the rest of my life. Because if we're having children with someone who's not our soulmate, it's just the worst experience on the planet. There's just nothing good that comes from that. And there'll be so many other things, so many other dreams that we won't realize because we settled for someone that doesn't act, can't actually meet us. So I feel like for women, if there's an urgency to say, I deserve to have this, because oftentimes what happens is like under the fear is actually a fear of, I don't deserve to have a partner. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not sexy enough. I'm not this enough. Blah, blah, blah. So really the fastest way to come into partnership is to do that inner work, to realize how amazing you are. And I'm talking like, this could just take literally a month. It doesn't have to be five years. We're not going to waste five years, like going to an ashram and mm-hmm. meditation. This is like, join a really great program for personal development. There's so many out there right now for a month, you know, and do the deep work. And then what I always say to my clients is go out and have fun. Just leave your house. I have a client who she was in the same situation. She was like 34 years old. She really wanted to meet someone. She really wanted to have a baby. And I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, well, I mean, nothing. I'm just sort, I'm just at home. (laughs) You know, this is before the pandemic. I was like, well, if you want to, you know, if you're not going to marry the UPS guy, like you got to leave your house because like right now that's the only person who you're seeing every day. And so she joined a gardening club and she started going to dance class and she started going on hikes and she just went out and had fun. She was just available for the magic to happen for her. Lo and behold, her next door neighbor who she's lived next to for years rings the doorbell and asks her out on a date. 
And she's like, okay, <laughs> you know? And so they went on a date and she said, why are you asking me out now? And he's like, well, I didn't, I like never saw you. And now I see you coming and going all the time. It just seems like you're having like such a good time. And I want it in. Oh, and, wow. Right. And like they, you know, they've been together for five years. So it's just like, we have to do the inner work and go out and be available. And I think dating sites are amazing. You just got to be just like open. And then we got to make sure that we're not choosing based on our trauma, but we're choosing based on our heart and our groundedness. And that's why the inner work is so important. Mm -hmm. That's another thing I wanted to talk about because I had actually made a note here, the trauma. Yeah. Like on every show we do, we kind of talk about trauma because I feel like that's such a deciding factor for people. Mm -hmm. And when I say deciding factor, I feel like trauma actually instigates a lot of people's decision. I mean, I think every decision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, here's the thing about trauma. We have all of these, basically our body is always telling us we're going to die. Like, mm -hmm. I can't say that thing because I'm going to die. I can't post that thing on Instagram because I'm going to die. I can't go on a date with this guy because I'm going to die. Because we did used to die when these things happened. You know, we did used to die when we spoke up when we would get into a dangerous unknown situation with a man. Like these are things that happened. And, or if we didn't die, we were very unsafe and got very, very hurt or assaulted or something. And so we have to honor that, like that's baked in to our system and then tell ourselves, oh, that's my trauma talking. I'm not actually going to die by telling my friend that she upset me. You know, I'm not actually going to be kicked out of my family if I tell my parents that I'm quitting my job and like gonna, you know, be a magical person. I'm not actually gonna die. I'm not gonna lose everything. So I think it's so important to understand that our, our brain and our bodies will have really extreme responses to things that don't need to be so extreme and to recognize that and then to calm our bodies down, right? It has to come through the body. And so my favorite practice is to shake, which is to like stand on my feet and like shake up and down or just dance, you know, for one great song and move that through and then take the next step. That's a good idea. But what do people do when they have like, you know, there are people that have immense trauma. They've mm -hmm. been through like childhood trauma, child abuse. I mean, I normally advise people, um, you know, like seek help yeah, because it's the first stage because a lot of times you feel like you can shake it off yourself. No. Yeah. But you sometimes need help. I agree. Yeah. And trauma can be very, very, very dilapidating, you know, to people. And I feel like, as you said, that it really affects our life choices because people make their whole life choices based around their traumatic experiences. And that's an important thing. Now, a lot of your practice focuses on women. Yeah. And you do talk a lot about men, but in your practice, do you also coach men as well? I coach non-binary people. Okay. I don't coach people who identify as being a man, but I'm okay. sure how we will be in our marriage course when that comes. Okay. Up. But my husband will be with me. He's a physician and a coach. Okay. So you're working more on the female energy right. and helping women find the true authentic self through 
getting back their energy and getting in touch with the true divine feminine, which is amazing. Another thing you talked about here when you were talking earlier, you talked about lack of control. Mm -hmm. So when you had the weight issue and you couldn't control your was it your appetite or you would just, you just had this urge to eat all the time? Yeah, or... it was an urge to eat all the time. Now, the reason I'm talking about lack of control is this comes out a lot of times when this happens, it manifests because of different things that have happened in our lives in the past. So it's just some sort of form of trauma. But how does one recognize this when it's happening? Because lack of control can be someone that you know, just spends all their time working. They work till 12 and then they wake up in the morning and then they like back at work and you tell them that, oh, but something's going on. They're like, no, I'm fine. Or, you know, they just love going out all the time, drinking a lot, or it could be whatever. But how does one recognize this as lack of control? I think the way to recognize it is, could you easily stop doing the thing you're doing for a whole week? So I have totally been in cycles of overworking. I have totally been in cycles of overdrinking. I know what all of those feel like. And in all of those times, it felt nearly impossible to stop drinking for a week or nearly impossible to stop working 12 hours a day for a whole week. And that's when we know we are in a trauma response. And those things happen, you know, we call it out of control but what it really is, is it's something in our unconscious that's trying to get something, right? So it's a part of us that is really struggling. So for me with the food, what it was covering up, what I was numbing was that I was deeply unhappy and not on my purpose. When it was around alcohol, I was actually covering up depression and feeling really stuck and in like mom jail with my kids. When I was overworking, I was really panicked that I wasn't going to be supported by my husband financially um, because we had gone through, I used to be the primary breadwinner in our relationship. We went through this whole transition a couple of years ago and I had this death grip of just worrying I was going to be homeless, couldn't be supported. And so it's always covering something up. And so instead of just being like, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink, or I'm not going to eat chocolate, I'm not going to eat chocolate or just like, just stop working. We have to go underneath that part. It's like, oh, honey, like what's going on? What's happening in there? What are the shadows? What is so hard for you? And we have to just go in and let ourselves fall apart and tend to those deepest, darkest parts in order to heal the addictions that are covering it up. Yeah. And the one thing you were saying, you know, when you talked about, you know, talking to yourself and finding your inner truth, you know, like finding instead of covering it up. A thing I noticed today that's also happening in society is a lot of people are lonely. So yeah. everybody's got friends, everybody's out there, but are they really talking to them? Oh. Are they really telling them what's really going on mm -hmm. inside? You know, because so a lot of people have this amazing social life, but they're still alone. Yep, absolutely. They feel like they can't share a bit of themselves with people because if they do, they'll be judged, yeah. which is like what you said earlier. Yeah. They feel like they'll be judged. They'll be called crazy or like needy or, oh, she's always. And how do people deal with this in modern society? Because I feel that's a big issue. That's mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, way, the suggestions I always make, and I've done this in my own life, mm -hmm. I always 
say that I'm going to be the person to start. I'm always going to be the person to start being real. And it's very vulnerable and it's very scary. But I'll just say, okay, if the culture of my friend group is to stay on the surface, I'm going to go below the surface and I'm going to see if I met. And most of the time I met in that place. And there have been some times when I haven't been met. And so I choose other friends, you know, I mean, unless it's like, I haven't had this experience, but like some of us have friends, you know, from childhood. I don't think we have to not be friends with them anymore. They hold our history, but we can choose. We have freedom to spend time cultivating deeper friendships that we see on a daily basis or weekly basis. I just, what I really want women to understand is that we aren't as stuck as we think we are. We can say, you know what? I need deeper friends. I'm going to choose to cultivate a different friend group. But I think we can start with going deep. It's the same thing in marriage. A lot of women just change their mind inside and they say, well, my husband isn't deep, so I have to leave. And I say, well, why don't you be the first one? Why don't you show your depth? Why don't you be vulnerable enough to go there and see if he can meet you and then make the decision to find somebody else. And I guess in that process, one has, you know, you don't have to be scared. You know, you have to be able to be brave enough to go there, you know. And I mean, I try to do the same because I feel like in today, because there's this fragmentation and this disconnect with people you know, like sometimes I'll have a dinner party at home and I'll invite a few friends and, you know, just to do something. I mean, we could have gone to a restaurant or anything, but I wanted it to be in my home because I just wanted to connect, you know, so we can have a, you know, we can talk, we can just like, you know, and I feel like a lot of people don't do that anymore because there's this thing like, you know, everyone's on this car, you know, we're racing, racing, racing. We've got to go to work. Okay, let's meet for a quick dinner, blah, 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 blah. And then we're off to the next, you know, off to the races. And I like what you said about being the first, like really being able to be vulnerable. And there is fear that comes with that. Yes. Because (laughs) huge fear, because, you know, there's this thing where you think, what if my friends don't talk to me anymore? What if they start going to tell everybody I'm crazy, you know, and all these ifs. And you're right. A lot of times you'll realize that the moment you take yourself there, other people will start opening up to you more because they're holding something they want to share as well. And I think that's a very important lesson for all of us to learn about opening up ourselves. So that said, could you give me, like, if someone said they wanted to start you know, waking up early, finding their true magic. Could you give me three simple tips of where they should start? Absolutely. So I do have a guide called Mm -hmm. Sacred Start that anyone can get on my website Mm -hmm. that goes through all the steps for creating a morning ritual. Okay. Okay. So that's there, but I will give the three steps. So the first one is boundaries. So boundaries, if you have kids, boundaries, if you have a partner, That is the most important thing. And this is where the first step of awakening comes because it's really hard for women to say they have needs. And so there's like all this amazing stuff that's going to happen to just say, I need an hour to myself in the morning and no one is allowed to bother me. It's the first step of queening. And so I think that, you know, setting, setting boundaries, setting guidelines, making sure your partner can be your bodyguard if you have children. And then the second step is having a place to call your own. 
I have a little corner in my bedroom, so I don't even have to leave and I don't risk waking up the children. And I create an altar and an altar is a physical place that holds energy. And I work a lot with the elements. And so I have a symbol for fire, a symbol for air, a symbol for water and a symbol for earth on my altar. And I also have a mirror. I do a lot of mirror work and Um, So that holds the energy. So when you just sit on it, it actually pulls you in, right? And then it's good to create a ritual that makes it fun for you. So this isn't like a drag. I, my morning ritual is some of the most fun I have all day. So that could be dancing. That could be pulling tarot cards. That can be doing a really incredible guided meditation, It could be stretching. I mean, it could be literally anything that feels fun and sacred and joyful. And when we have those three things, boundaries, a sacred space, and a ritual that's enlivening, we want to get up in the morning and we learn so much about ourselves. I mean, the biggest business decisions I've ever made, you know, the changes that I've made in my health, all of that stuff has come from my morning ritual. It's been like the most high leverage, best business decision I've ever made is like having that time in the morning. Okay. I like the morning ritual because I do morning rituals as well. I have an altar. I have this big, massive altar in my living room. So it's like a big kind of armoire. And then when you open it, it's got all these, I've got candles in it. And then I've got, you know, incense, you know, I chant there. I have, in the morning, I put water there. I have fruit my grandmother's picture oh my God. but i love the morning ritual thing but sometimes when life gets really stressful like really stressful like when you're going through real because we all go through really stressful times in life it can be hard yes it can be hard just to center yourself because you wake up with that anxiety and you're like <gasps> and how does one really you know, because I find that's the time I need those rituals the most, yeah. even though I don't want to do them. I'm just like, because you want to try and deal with the problem. But at that time is when you need to pull in the energy of the divine and really help let the universe guide you. Yeah. And it can be really, really hard. So I would like to know what your suggestion is when someone's going through a lot of stress or something and they really need You know, they're doing this rituals, but it's the time when they should be focusing on their rituals the most, yet they feel like they don't want to. Right. So I always say, bring the anxiety to the altar, Mm. you know, so bring the feelings. I I think we have this idea that we're supposed to like get better and better about just sitting down and like being zened out and like, you know, leaving our body and all that stuff. And in a sacred feminine practice, it's actually about feeling. It's not about not feeling. Right. And so I say, bring the anxiety, bring the tears, sit at your altar and fall apart, you know, cry and scream and like move those emotions through. It's not a time to take a break from those emotions or sidestep. It's a time to go into them. And Mm -hmm. so when I'm feeling anxious, which has been quite a lot recently, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I come and I ask the cards, like, what is going on with my anxiety? And I'll pull cards about it. Or I'll say, what can I do to relieve my anxiety? Or I'll just journal about all of the feelings that I'm having. And I just get it out. And I do feel better. And mm-hmm. so it's not just one time, but it's a daily practice of like coming and feeling and being with your shadow, and excavating all of that. Mm-hmm. 
And I just think it's the most important thing we can do when we're going through a hard time. Sarah, thank you so much. This hour has been mind blowing. Oh. But before we, yeah, it's just been, you know, I just want to talk forever and ever and ever and just keep on talking because <laughs> it's just like so interesting. But before we round up, I wanted you to give us, tell me three things that every woman should do, should know, and should aspire to. Okay. Every woman should take baths, sacred baths with flowers and salts and oils and all the things. Every woman should know that they're sacred and that they're magical. And sometimes their magic is just dormant. Every woman is magical. And every woman should aspire to just being so deeply in love and enraptured with her physical form mm -hmm. and the incredible soul that's embodying it. Oh, wow. That's that was really, really well said. That's amazing. So if any of our listeners want to find you, where can they find you? SarahJenks.com. So that's Sarah with an H and it's J-E-N-K-S.com. And on Instagram? Yes, Sarah Jenks as well. Okay, Sarah Jenks. Yeah. So guys, you know, if you like the message Sarah has been preaching today, telling us all to become our divine feminine and really, really manifest our true, authentic life and ourselves, um, you can find her at sarahjenks.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-J-E-N-K-S.com. And... Sarah, thank you so much for taking your time this morning to have this wonderful conversation. And, you know, it's been really inspiring because I feel like you, I, even I've been reinvigorated because sometimes even doing, even for me doing my morning ritual, I'm like, does any of this even work? Because, you know, sometimes I'm like, this is an extra two hours of my morning. But, but, you know, you're a reminder that it's all possible you know, if we, you know, if we're determined and we kind of discover our true authentic selves. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>